I want to begin by reading the Christmas message. The message for Christmas and New Year's. Dated December 5th, 1989, New Delhi. Dear beloveds, in the name of that supreme power, Kirpal, who chose to shower so much grace on us, the poor orphans, I wish you all a Merry Christmas and send New Year tidings. That power has come into this world in so many forms, and over and over the same message is sung, that we poor ones should remember God and serve him in such a way that the negative power is defeated and even death is conquered. We should sing the praises of the Supreme Father by doing the Simran given to us by a perfect San Satguru. The holidays are a time for giving gifts, which are the outer expression of our love for each other. But what is the use of celebrating the birthday of a Mahatma like Jesus if we do it in such a way as to forget? The best gift is remembrance, and this which we should be giving to beloved Hazur Kripal each and every moment. In this way, we can sweep our hearts and minds clean with the broom of Simran, so that the door leading to his feet may be open to us, and we leave this world victorious. Supreme Father Kirpal gave only this message, and the wind still teaches us this. If you keep walking while doing the Simran, the destination comes to you by itself. The fort of deceit will be destroyed, because walls of sand do not last. We have so many sins on our heads. Hail the power of Almighty Kripal, who carries all the burden. No one is a stranger. Everyone belongs to you. For as the Gurbani teaches, all this world was created from one light. O oh, Guru Kirpal, the negative power trembles, and death also is nervous in front of whomever has caught hold of your finger. Apologize to Kirpal. Remember him and you will have a happy life. May all of Master's love and blessings be with each one of you in this new year and beyond. With all his love, yours affectionately, Ajay Singh. <clears throat> so I'd like to begin by both thanking all the masters and praying to them, especially those two with whom I had contact. Azur Maharaj Kirpal Singh Ji and Santa Jeb Singh and beg of them that they keep all of us at their feet. And in terms of what I have to say, <clears throat> I'll just, I know that people are aware of the outer circumstances of what happened to the group and the question on everybody's mind there and here, although I think you all knew the answer much faster than we did uh, initially was, how is Sanchi's health? Because I think you heard the problem and got the answer pretty much at the same time. Um, I've talked to Papu since Sanchi left Delhi and went back up to Rajasthan. And <clears throat> Sanchi's still weak. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not say he's all fine and radiant and, and uh, everything is, is beautiful. Uh, he's still weak. 
but he's recovering certainly. Um, and there is a problem with the blood pressure and the sugar level and uh, he's been taking some medication for that and they, that's one thing they did was they changed the medication uh, when he was in Delhi. Uh, and don't worry, if you're sitting out there and you don't know the outer circumstances, it will be a part of uh, the saga that gets related today as to what uh, happened with the group. Um, so he's, he is definitely getting better, um, much, much improved, still a little weak, but now being in Rajasthan will hopefully have a chance to rest fully and he fully expects to be able to serve the groups as usual. Uh, although I think, uh, as Russell mentioned last week, there's, you never know. We're dealing with a master here. Uh, the universe is tricky enough, but when you add, when you add God Himself in human form, then you never know what's going to happen. At any rate, I'd like to begin, like I usually do, by saying that there are some, there's some direct quotes that I'll be reading, and those are safe. Everything else is funneled through me, and this time I'm not even sure of what's left as a funnel. So. Originally, when I got back, I felt like I had scattered notes everywhere for like a great paper, but I hoped I was going to be able to get at least an outline together so I could begin to pull this stuff. So it made sense. Um, and I'll try my best, but there's a lot of me in this, so be careful. To give you an idea of where I'm at, um, usually when I get back from India, I, I, you have the blessing just because you're the jet lag or the whatever of being woken up pretty early. Um, and then you usually have the luxury of being able to take naps when you feel like it. Well, I don't know why it's happened to me, but I've been going to bed at a decent hour, nine or ten, and getting up at two or three, and not taking any of those naps that I always seem to need to sort of recover. So um, this morning I was out doing an errand, and I, I needed gas, and I thought, why stand out in the cold? Just let it pump automatically and go in and then just pay with your credit card. And uh, I got a drink because I was thirsty too, a juice. And I walked back out to the car and got in the car and noticed that I'd left my juice in on the counter. Well, I thought I'd drive around to the door. And as I drove, I heard this sort of clunking, scraping sound. And I'd driven off leaving the hose in the gas tank. And uh, I called myself what are you doing, Grandpa, at that point? I, I just, I was, I wasn't sure I was safe to be on the road, and the woman was concerned, but things looked all right. I got home, and I cleared out the car before I went upstairs, and I threw everything in the trash, and as I went to walk away, I noticed that my brand new gloves were also uh, in the bottom of the trash container in the garage. So, I mean, at that point, I just laughed and said, I'm having a bad day. Um, well, it could have been worse. I could have not noticed my gloves. The hose could have ripped off. As it was, I pulled the gas tank. We had to sort of straighten it out when we were done. But uh, at any rate, I'm not as, as lucid as I would hope. And I, I have a scattering of things all over the place. And if it takes me a while to search for them, um, please, please forgive me. Hopefully, um, Maria Paz will be sharing something. I leave her any time at the end. We've talked about this. Um, let me just say that someone asked, and it was a very sweet idea, someone asked that maybe it would be appropriate for me to write a memorial for Papu's father, who I will refer to from now on 
from now on as Papaji rather than Hirilal Bhaga. Um, in the same way that in Sanpani in the past, when, um, in, when, when people who are well-known amongst the Sangha, such as Mili, have, have left the body, there's been a little sort of a write-up. And I thought about doing that, but it's so interconnected with everything else that I guess at the end of all this, maybe I could extricate something if, if, that, if that's going to happen. But I can't give a separate thing about Papaji and talk about it different than the trip. So I knew when I was going, uh, I knew that he was um, on his way out. He had been diagnosed as having cancer in uh, August, and uh, he'd had an operation to help um, alleviate some of his digestive problems and his whole eating uh, situation. Had that in India, come back to Vancouver, and then just a couple days before I um, left for India, he arrived back in Delhi. And uh, my very strong feeling when I left was that um, I was going there in part to be in that household when he left the body. He's a wonderful man, and uh, he meant a lot to me and to a lot of other people. There would be probably literally hundreds of people who would say he was like a father to me. You know, he gave me, uh, he gave me clothes, he gave me money, whatever I needed. Um, he's a very, very dynamic. I think people knew him more in the beginning. I think as, as he moved to Canada, I don't think the Western people had an opportunity to know Papu's father um, quite as much, but certainly in the early days. Uh, when, when Bob and Wendy and I first went in 1976, um, when we came back from Rajasthan and we had to call, there were no phones around, and Papaji and I had to go for hours and hours in a scooter. And it was just, it was a, wonderful to be with him. He was an inspiring man. And uh, I'll say more about that later. I'm already jumping out of what little outline I had in my head. At any rate, I wasn't surprised uh, that... I mean, my feeling was that I wouldn't be surprised if, if he left the body while I was with the family. Um, so I knew that I was going into what could be a very um, intense kind of an experience. I was also leaving behind a very intense kind of an experience. I've packed at the last minute before, but nothing like this. This was, this was not funny. This was terrible, and I don't recommend it to anyone. I, I forgot things like my Bajan book. And... Uh, um, I was having to clear up school stuff, and it wasn't because I'd been not doing the school stuff before that I'd left it to the last minute. It's just the way it worked. There were a lot of very, very difficult things with the school that were needing to be handled, and, and it, it didn't work out uh, except to do it even on the Tuesday that I was leaving. So by the time Susan Shannon very sweetly uh, managed to push me into the car, uh, we missed the bus in Tilton and caught up with it in Concord. Um, which allowed me time to write two more letters that I needed desperately to write for the school before I, I got on the plane. And when we left Germany, I looked out the plane window, and I'm sure there's a physical explanation for this that the scientists out there could give me, and it would, I would smile politely, but it sure wouldn't diminish it for me. Um, there on the cloud banks as we climbed above them, for about five minutes, um, was the shadow of the plane, and it was surrounded by just a perfect orb of light. Uh, golden at the core, and uh, it was just, it was that envelope, and I felt it, and um, it was great. It was really great. Driving over uh, 
to Hanover to see Bobby Sand in the hospital, I, I saw the Christmas lights, and, and I love Christmas lights, and I thought of that line from the Christmas message, something like, what is the good of celebrating the life of a great Mahatma like Jesus if, if the result is that you forget? And I thought, that doesn't mean I don't have to like the lights. All that means is when I see the Christmas lights, I can love them and I can also remember. So these things, these things are out there for us. He's everywhere. Anyway, if I... I have a lot to say and I have a lot written down and so if it's a little scattered... I've already said that. I won't say that again. Okay. I tried writing poetry again, but it, I knew it wasn't going to work. It only worked at one time, but I, this is what one I wrote. Don't ask me why. How can the chipmunk trip with such a breathlessness? Evil has no face and a thousand faces. Turn and face the truth. Its light will illumine, not blind. Its flame will warm, not sear. Its heart will heal, not destroy. Turn away, and you lose yourself in your own shadow. So I got to Delhi, and uh, Papaji was pretty alert. He knew who I was. He asked about the family. We chatted for a while. The, uh, the next day, <clears throat> He asked that we should have uh, have lunch together, everybody out in the sitting room, and uh, it was really wonderful. And after that, that was let me give you a chronology. That was on Thursday that I arrived, very early Thursday morning, and on Friday that happened. By Saturday, we felt a need to call the doctor uh, because he really started to recede from consciousness quite a lot, and. Uh, he wasn't in agony, but he wasn't co very comfortable either. It was clear that he was, uh, there was a lot to bear in terms of, of how he was dealing with it. Before I had arrived in Delhi, uh, a rather astounding, to my mind, thing had happened. And I'll, I'll mention that. Um, but let me just, now that I've opened to this section, I see a couple things. Let me just mention a couple stories before I get to that. Um, Papaji was born on April 13th, 1921. And he was in the army when the whole um, partition happened. He was actually on leave. And he, uh, he didn't go back to the army after that. But he, he went to Ahmedabad, a city in India, where he was initiated when he was about 30 years old in 1951. And there he worked a lot for Master Kripal Singh. And uh, not only that, but he inspired many, many people to come on the path. He brought a lot of people. And even today in Ahmedabad, um, people remember how it was Papaji who brought them to the path. There were not many people initially, only eight or ten disciples there. But uh, it was a very active group. And that's where most of the Bhaga children were born. There's a story about Papu, which is wonderful, which I don't know if people know it, but it's, it's a great story. He was about a year old, and everybody was meditating at the uh, top floor, sort of terrace up top of a three-story building. And uh, 
Papu proceeded to fall down the entire flight of stairs. It was straight down all the way down the three flights. And at that moment, along came Master Kripal Singh. He fell right at his feet, and Master Kripal Singh picked him up. And he wasn't hurt uh, at all. He carried him up the stairs, and he got to the group that was meditating and said, Whose child is this? <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, in 1971, uh, due to a variety of family circumstances and, and other things, but most especially because Master Kripal Singh told the family, uh, told Papaji to move to Delhi. They left Ahmedabad and they came to Delhi. And, uh, you know, that's where all, all of us know the story of how uh, Kolwant, it was Papu's older brother Kolwant who first took Russell up, and then when the second little group of Westerners came, <clears throat> Jim Russell and... Uh, Jane Connor, I think a fellow named Ronnie Yao, as I'm recalling. It was Colwant and Papu who went up to the ashram. And then when Bob and Wendy and I came, it was just Papu who took us up. And that was sort of the beginning of, of uh, Papu's involvement with Sanchi. An involvement which met a lot of resistance from many people and probably could not have happened at the level that it's happened were it not for Papaji, who basically said, I've given this son for the service of the Master. And he, he always stood very firmly behind uh, Papu's rather different lifestyle uh, once Papu got so connected to the work. At any rate, um, when Papaji arrived, he felt terrible from the flight from Vancouver. But as soon as he got in the home, he definitely felt better. He felt much better. And then on Sunday, very early in the morning, at 4, he called the whole family down to his room. And um, he sat on the bed and everyone else sat on the floor around. And he gave this talk. He, he basically said to the family, I don't owe anything to anybody. So sometimes after somebody goes, they'll come to you and say, well, your father owed me this and your father owed me for that. And let me tell you, I don't owe anything to anybody. I don't have any pains. I don't have any problems. I'm content. I have eight children. They're all settled. My sons are happily married. I'm happy with my son-in-laws. Um, everything is fine. I've lived my life like an emperor. I don't have any desire. I have my master with me. I can tell you that you should look after your children because the children are the true wealth. If you want, you can leave the whole world, but don't leave Babaji. I should tell you that the Indian Sangha does not call Sanchi Sanchi. Almost never, uh, except for Papu, because he knows that's what we're used to. Everybody calls him Babaji. And Mr. Kripal Singh is usually referred to as Maharaji. You can leave the whole world, but don't leave Babaji, because he is the only one who will help you at all times. And now take me down from the manji and let me sleep on the floor. The manji is the bed. And that's part of the Hindu tradition. If you know you're going, you, you want to be on the floor. Papaji said, nobody should bother me, nobody should come and talk to me, just leave me alone. Papu said, why are you talking like this? Papaji said, no, let me finish what I want to say, and I'm telling you whatever is the truth. It's all right, I am sick, and the doctor did his best, but he could not control the disease I have. But I don't have any complaints, I don't have any pain, and I'm perfectly content. Please turn off all the lights. So he lay down, and... People turned out the lights and just sat there, which was around 
in the morning. And then after a few minutes, Papaji started talking to the master. He said, well, Babaji, sometimes you call me Sait Saab. Sait means a merchant or a rich trader. Um, and Baba Santi always called him that. Sometimes you make me Sait and sometimes you make me this or that, but now you should take me with you. And Papu said this was all in a very normal voice. There was no pain, no delirium. He was very, very conscious. Then there was a pause. And a few moments later, well, Maharaji, he will take me only if you will tell him. Why don't you tell him to take me? Another pause. And then he said in a very imposing way, and I wrote in parentheses here, as he could, and if you'd ever heard him talk, boy, you didn't want to be on the other end of, of uh, Papaji. He's very strong, very deep and strong. And he said in that kind of a voice, if you don't take me, I'll follow you. I'll come with you anyway. <laughs> then there was another pause, and he said, how come there's so much light here? Why don't you turn off all the lights? It's so much light, I cannot bear it. And at that point, of course, there was no lights in the room because they'd already turned off all the lights. And this was very, very genuine. The presence of the master was strongly felt by everybody. This happened on Sunday. I arrived on, on uh, when, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Uh, Papu told me about this, and I, I got it all down exactly as it happened. Um, Papu just felt they should leave him alone, but other people sort of wondered whether the medication was maybe making him like this. And you have to understand, we can all see that it wasn't, but when you're attached, when it's, when it's a primary family member, you do everything you can um, both to help them leave and to hold on to, to them, as far as I can see. I don't know how else to say it. Um, at any rate, there was a sense that what he really needed was some milk. So they brought him some milk, and he indicated that he didn't want it, but still, somehow, that was given to him, and he did come back into his consciousness. And he said, what's this? Where did you all come from? Where's Babaji? Where's Maharaji? They were here. Where did you come from? And Papa said he looked kind of upset, as if he had been woken up from a dream which he was enjoying. Then he asked Papu, since when had Babaji started wearing the shoes made of cloth? In other words, the canvas shoes. Well, we bought them in Bombay or Bangalore. Well, said Papaji, Maharaji's shoes were very dusty. And Chaiji said, Chaiji is, is Papu's mother. Um, well, if you had had your shirt on, you could have wiped, wiped the dust off of Maharaji's shoes. Because, see, this is true. I mean, I, I experienced this also. His body was so hot that he never wanted to wear a shirt. And, and we were sort of... We would try and get him to wear a shirt, but he wouldn't want to wear a shirt. So Chaiji said, you don't wear your shirt. If you'd had it on, you could have wiped the dust. And Papaji said, well, if Babaji was here, where did he go? And at that point, Papu said, well, he's here all the time, and now he's resting in his room. And Papaji asked, did you already take him some chai? And Papu said, yes, he's had it, and now he's bathing. <laughs> okay. And after a few minutes, he came back fully into his consciousness and said, Master said that the road is broken. And that is why they won't take me now. And then he looked at them all and said, Okay, go get ready for the satsang, because it was Sunday, and Sunday is satsang day. Babaji is here, and he's coming to do the satsang. And my own feeling, as I talked about it with Papu, Master said that the road is broken, and that's why they won't take me now. I think what we experienced over the next few days was just that, that broken road, uh, being repaired or whatever, the final final stuff that he needed to have happen to him happened. 
um, one of the family members in Vancouver had an experience in which uh, before they found out with a telephone call that he had left the body, even though they knew he was quite ill, uh, they did not know that he had left. And they had an experience where Kirpal and Sanchi and other family members were all sitting there, and Kirpal said, sing a bhajan. I think it was Kirpal, it may have been Sanchi, but I'm, I'm almost sure it was Kirpal. Maharaji said, sing a bhajan. And this person said, well, I don't have a book. Uh, sounds like a Western answer. Huh? And he said, well, sing a bhajan anyway. And they said, well, I don't, I don't have a book. And the and, uh, master said, well, sing that one. That bhajan, the one you sang on Sunday, Adeshuba Dihardae, today is a very auspicious day because my son is coming home. Saitsab is coming home. And then this person saw not only Papaji and, and the masters, but various of the, some of the utensils that are used for the cremation. And at the end of that experience, the person was so terrified that they just couldn't tell anyone about it because it was, it was so graphic and so real. And yet, within just a few hours, the phone call came saying that, uh, that he had left the body. And another family member was, was, uh, was crying. Everyone was crying. And a three-year-old son asked his mom, why are you crying? Uh, and she explained. And he said, well, still, why are you crying when Babaji has taken Papaji? And then they, they came to Delhi for the funeral rites, cremation rites, and death ceremonies. Uh, and I'll get into this quite a bit, actually, but they go on a long time. It's not just a short period. The body's cremated immediately, then three days later there's something else, and then 13 days later there's something else, so that family members had time to come um, from Vancouver and other areas from all over. A lot of family came. So when the three-year-old was walking up toward the house, he saw a car parked outside, and he said, is that Babaji's car? And his mother said, I don't know. And they got inside and they asked, and in fact, it was Babaji's car, because you see, he'd been driven from the ashram down to Delhi in it when he was sick. And then the three-year-old said, well, that's the same car in which uh, Babaji took Papaji. So, um, very strong. Someone else on that same Sunday when Papaji had all of his experiences, someone had a very, very strong experience of, of a huge Baba Sawan Singh, like a mountain. And they were tiny in front of him. And Baba Sawan Singh said, don't worry. Everything will be all right. Don't worry. So it was into that atmosphere uh, that I came and that Debbie came uh, I think she came about 24 hours after me. Um, I didn't even have time, this is another apology, I didn't even have time to go through my journal and mark off with yellow highlight the things that I thought I could read, so I'm going to have to do a little searching. But I'll just read some things, whether they're any good or not. I have... Papaji is doing his last work. Rashmi is just beginning hers. Rashmi is, is Papu's infant daughter, a few months old. It's intense. I've never, I've never assisted in the dying process. Simran seems so important. 
there was always someone with him. It's such a supportive situation there when you get India with the extended family. Um, there was just always, always someone with him. On Saturday, the doctor came, and on, on uh, then on maybe Tuesday sometime, it was decided that there should be a full-time nurse, which was good because um, <clears throat> it's hard to know, even though it's nice to have family there, I think it's a, it was a real relief to, to them to have things, someone who also knew more what they were doing there. Um, I always have these moments on the trip where it feels like the trip really begins for me, and it usually isn't till several days into Rajasthan. Uh, it's that whole scrubbing process. But boy, this time, it was like, whether I was at the cookie factory or whether I was at the office getting the permits or, or whatever, that. The trip had definitely begun. Um, so I'm just going to read my, this section, which I wrote out afterwards about the passing of Hiralal Bhaga. I talked to Papu with some concern about how private it was, how terribly private, in a sense. And he said, if I thought the people could be helped, if it wasn't just a question of cultural curiosity, then not to worry about it. To use my discretion, but it should be okay. And I think this is, uh, I think this is worth hearing. Well, you don't have much choice. <laughs> you could get up and leave, I guess. On Wednesday, 22nd, I woke at 4.15 and went to help with Papaji. That's another thing that was happening to me. I was really upset at first because I couldn't get into any kind of a sleeping thing. I would just snooze at noon, and then I'd be wide awake till about midnight, and then I'd wake up again at three. I couldn't stay um, asleep, and I was upset about it at first, and I only later realized what a blessing it was, because I'd go downstairs and I'd help with Papaji. I, you'd sit on the bed and you'd massage, or you'd do whatever you needed to for like two or three hour shifts. It was, it was wonderful. Kanta, the nurse, and I were with him while Chaiji slept some. He was continually receding. He had lost the feeling and movement in the right arm and leg on Tuesday, and while I was there, his left leg went from active to still. His breathing was steady, but filled with a fluid sound. I left at seven or so for some chai. Papu and I came back into the room at eight or a few minutes past. His breathing had moved into what I call reflexive breathing. I said to Papu that based on my very limited experience, this was it, that with this breathing I didn't think he could last a day. And just then he stopped. He began again, but it was really only one more gasp, as I recall. His head turned. Apu asked the nurse to leave, and we all started doing the simran aloud. The simran done in that room was, was really incredible. Uh, the master's presence was so strong. But we asked the nurse to leave, and we started doing it aloud. It was as strong as I felt at weddings in the past, only stronger. I felt very withdrawn, as I did through much of the rest of the day. Kolwant, Chaiji, Kanta, a nephew, Papu and I were there, and Jawahar came. People were feeling a heartbeat or pulse for a while, but it was clear he had left. Some people started to get a little bit hysterical, and someone even fainted, uh, cold, out cold under the cement floor. The doctor came after 20 minutes or so and pronounced him dead. Um, after a time, I went up to shower, as I knew it would be a long day. The cremation was set for 2 p.m. When I came down, the body had been placed in a corner of the room on a mattress on the floor, 
and all the furniture cleared out with the cloth for sitting spread out in that room and in adjoining rooms. People came and went with many staying. At first the room had men and women, but as the morning went on, the women took over that room and the men sat outside. Although this was very calm, ordered, and non-hysterical compared to the usual reaction to such a loved one leaving, there were waves of weeping and crying aloud set off by new entrants to the room. An aunt beat her breast with a resounding thwack. More and more people came. At one o'clock the room was cleared except for a handful of men including the three brothers. The body was moved to the center and placed on a blanket. We undressed it completely and then it was bathed in what appeared to me to be yogurt or some kind of curd. The brothers were helping with all this and one can imagine what it must have been like for them. The body was rinsed thoroughly and towel dried, rolling it onto its side to get the back. It was then placed on a new dry white sheet back in the corner. The water was swept from the room. I was holding the clothes for the corpse at that point. What must it have been like for the brothers to see those naked loins which gave issue to their earthly vessels, to have to bend the now stiff arms to dress the body, arms which had once held them, to pour yogurt, then water over the now vacant eyes, nose, and mouth of their beloved Papaji. The face of death is not pretty, yet face it we must, and they did. Wrenching grief racked the attendants' bodies at times. The body was dressed in new, fine clothing, beginning with soft, long underwear and long-sleeved undershirt. From where these clothes or many other things materialized, I do not know. It seemed as if no one was in charge, but things got done through the cultural knowledge of what to do. A dress shirt was followed by a three-piece suit, socks, and pocket handkerchief. Lastly, a new shawl was placed over it, and marigolds on that. The raw details preclude any denial or antiseptic distancing so prevalent in Western death ceremony. For instance, the suit coat was hard to get on, and a first attempt failed. A second method worked, but only after considerable twisting and turning of the body. It was hard, to say the least, but it was faced. We carried the body using the sheet into the living room where, where a space had been cleared, and there he lay in state, with family members sitting closest. A couple of bhajans were sung. The body was then carried out to the litter on the front porch, where it was tied down with heavy twine. The men then shouldered the litter, and began to walk to the cremation ground 15 to 20 minutes away. There were 25 or 30 of us walking along with constantly changing shifts as, quote, pallbearers. No one stayed more than 60 seconds without someone replacing him. Cole wanted a bottle of water, which he sprinkled on the body as we walked. That is, from behind, he shook this bottle toward the litter, and droplets came out of the holes in the top. Someone else had a broom-like object of wood with soft wool strands, which they brushed at the litter. We went through the streets, and strangers stopped to fold their hands, lowering their heads and eyes as we passed. When we arrived, the women and many others were already there awaiting us. Upon entering the crematorium, the body was placed on one of two cement platforms for the performance of the rites. Colwant took an earthen pot and walked around the platform, sprinkling or pouring water. Then he raised the pot over his head and threw it down to the ground, shattering it at the head end of the platform. Intimate family members were given marigolds from the strings in the body, and these were placed at the feet, which were also touched. Then the body was carried, still on the litter, into the cremation place itself, 
where there must have been 30 or so platforms. Papaji's body was laying next to number 21, and around it several fires were in various stages of burning down, giving off much heat. Men only came into this area. The women watched from behind a wall. Men also fetched wood using a handcart, and after a couple of loads, the logs were placed. Then the body was gently placed on this base. A can of ghee was opened, and the sons spread ghee on the shawl-covered body. Wooden pegs were dipped in the ghee and placed on the neck, near the knees, and on the chest. It was again not a pretty sight when the ghee was splashed on the bared face of the body. Then a package of some herbal stuff was sprinkled over the entire body, and the wood was begun to be piled in teepee fashion. Sticks and slats and hay and straw were placed throughout. Kolbant was given a torch and went around lighting the pile. Kolbant is the oldest son. As the flames grew and the heat intensified, we all moved back to watch. Again, I felt barely in my body and was doing Zimmerman all the time. I'm not... <coughs> I, there was no way to do anything but that. As we were carrying the body, someone was leading the constant singing of Satnam, Satnam, Satnam Ji, Wahe Guru, Wahe Guru, Wahe Guru Ji. Also, before the pyre was lit, a Sikh priest chanted some verses. I keep starting to write Papaji, but can't, but cannot, because that was clearly just his body in vacant. The flames grew higher and began their consuming process, and after a while the attendants indicated it was time for us to go out. The crowd gathered in a covered place outside the burning area and sang two bhajans, ending with Apana Koi Nahi. Before we left, we were given blades of grass, and we knelt and threw those over our shoulder after some verse. Announcements were made as to times, etc., of further ceremonies, and people filed out, greeting the family. According to both Mr. Oberoi and Papu, this was a very solemn, real ceremony compared to most, which tend toward melodrama, discussion of politics, films, etc. I believe it, as this was very deep, profound to say the least. Things like gathering and being quiet, singing bhajans, that just doesn't happen. But it did. Back at the house, food was served to many. The food had been brought from outside, as there are to be no fires lit in the home on that day. The room where Papaji had lain and left was empty, with fans circulating to dry the floor. Later, many mattresses, quilts, etc. were brought into the room, and that is where the intimate family gathered, remembering Papaji until late in the evening. That was on Wednesday, and on Thursday we left for Rajasthan, and I don't know where it is in my journal, so dependent on this journal. Papu didn't go with us, he couldn't go, uh, with family obligations, it we figured we'd do bhajan sessions and we'd be okay, Mr. Oberoi was there. And he would come up on Saturday. The group, you get there Thursday night, and you have it sort of a rest night. And then Friday, there's a full program, and Saturday. And Papu was due to come Saturday evening. And <coughs> the way it worked, I was pretty sure that I was going to be the one to give Sanchi the news in an outer way. And luckily, I'd said something in, in Delhi. I'd said it wrong, and the, the kids, uh, Papu and Jawahar's kids, two of them just spun their heads around and looked at me, and I knew that I 
what I had said, what I thought I was saying, was not appropriately said at all in terms of leaving the body. I use the word for die, but you, you shouldn't do that like that. So I found out how I should say it, and I just I knew that I was going to be conveying on an outer level this message to to uh, Sanchi that, that well, obviously it had to be said. Uh, Papu wasn't there to do any of the initial translating. So when the bus stopped, um, I went up to Sanchi and and uh, I was so intent on saying this message right that I could barely see him, but I just kept, I saw a mountain. I saw a huge gray mountain topped with white. Uh, and after, after having delivered the message and sat down, I, I realized after about five minutes that he had on a ruana, which is the Colombian poncho. Someone had said that, that he'd maybe worn one in the last group, and I was skeptical. I thought, well, he wouldn't wear a ruana, would he? But wear it he did, and, and it, was, it was gorgeous. It was, it was amazing. But I, I walked up to him, and I was, I was pretty much the first one there, and he said, Ha, ah, Principal Saab, kya hal hai, apka parivar. How's your family? How are you? With a big, radiant smile. And I just very nervously said uh, in, in Hindi that I'm okay, but... Um, Yesterday, uh, here Lal Baga left the body, and because of that, Papu is not here. He's in Delhi. He'll be coming the day after tomorrow, and I've written a letter for you. I mean, Papu has sent a letter for you. And I gave him the letter, and what I saw, and this is what I saw, was that Sanchi sat back and pulled in like it was definitely... Um, it was something to hear that, to hear those words coming out that he had left the body. And I've never been at that first meeting with him when uh, he doesn't ask for a bhajan, but he didn't ask for a bhajan. He greeted us and told us about we didn't have to get up the next day because we were tired and uh, said good night. And later, Mr. Oberoi came to me, to my room, and said how we had, uh, he had been with Sanchi, and Sanchi was very concerned, especially about the family. He was concerned how the family was, was taking it, and he would, he felt like he should go there to Delhi, but how could he with the group? Uh, they're just, you know, he couldn't, and, and should, he send, should he send someone? Maybe he should send Gourmail or Ajit or, or someone down, and the, Mr. Oberoi indicated that Sanchi was concerned. So we had, uh, we had Sessions on Friday, we had a meditation session. Sanchi came down the stairs in his ruana, and I was at the bottom of the stairs to meet him, and he pointed to himself, like with both his hands, and smiled and said, Colombian. And, uh, <laughs> um, it, was, it was nice. I think in that Friday afternoon one, though, he might have left early. I can't remember. Or maybe on the Saturday morning one, he left early. Um, he put us in and then left. And it, we, we got the news that he really wasn't feeling that well. In fact, uh, I don't know to what detail this has gone into last week, if at all, but he was really sick in October. There was a Delhi program, and he got very sick. And the doctor at that time wanted him to stay for testing and stuff, but he, with some rest, he was okay, and he went back up to Rajasthan. He really wasn't that well for the second group either. Um, the second group being the first group, but it's called the second group. We're the third group. Um, and I got terrifically sick. I've never gotten so sick so fast and so better so quickly. Uh, 
thanks to some very nice service by some uh, doctors who were there. Um, so I was afraid that I was going to miss the Saturday afternoon meditation. I was, well, I won't go into what was wrong with me, but it was pretty awful. Um, and Sanchi, in fact, didn't come because he was sick. Uh, he did go up on the roof that night as we came back from having sung bhajans and had somebody read out of a book, and he greeted us. Uh, that might have been Friday night that he did that. Oh, I can't. No, Friday, Friday he came with us. So Saturday he did that, right. And then on Sunday, he didn't come. And he asked Papu, should he go out and greet us at the end of the Sunday session out in the garden? Should he go out just onto that little area at the top of the stairs? He said he really wanted, he was really feeling terribly about not serving the dear ones. Um, and he said, but I feel much better when I'm lying down. When I sit up and start to get up, I don't feel very well. And so Papu pleaded with him not to go out there. And that was fine. We all accepted that. Um, during this time, he sent some beautiful messages, and I see I've forgotten those, but there were two or three times when he just sent absolutely wonderful messages to all of us, saying how badly he felt he couldn't serve us and how convey his love to each and every one of us and asked us to please maintain the schedule. Well, he didn't come to Monday morning uh, meditation either, and... Um, Several of us before the meditation time were called up to his room, and there we were uh, sort of part of looking what, at what should happen next, and, and the uh, sh treatment was given by a, by a doctor, but it, it turned out to not be effective. And the decision was made, well, interestingly enough, uh, I think I can say this, it's funny, um, when Papu told me at five in the morning that he was, when someone came and called uh, for Papu to go up there, the first thing I thought of was, boy, they should, they've got to take him to Delhi. I mean, there's no way. They just can't deal with it here. And Papu told me that when he and Mr. Oboy went in the room, the first thing he said to them both was, you're not taking me anywhere. <laughs> and they were both already planning that, boy, he's really got to go to Delhi. And I think that's you know, sometimes that kind of thing has happened. It's in the context of a story where it's just been awful that masters have been dragged places where they don't want to go because their disciples were headstrong, and that's not what we're talking about here. There's, there's, there's nothing clearer than the fact that he was supposed to go to Delhi, that it was in the will. He said that so many times, but I think it, it reflects how he didn't want to leave the group. His job was to serve the group. At any rate, the decision was made that he should go to Delhi and um, so everybody was in the courtyard while well, he came down the stairs at 2 o'clock to get in his car. And I don't know when it's ever happened that so many disciples have been there watching the Master in that kind of a condition. Sometimes they hide it. And this was not hidden. It was broadcast for all of us to see. And the Savadars from the West... East, I'm sorry, Savadar, Eastern Savadars, Ashram residents, uh, visitors. The grief was, it was profound. And he had to be helped with someone on either arm, almost carrying him down the stairs. And he said, ten paciencia, have patience. And uh, one person told me that it was amazing how they heard him talking in Spanish. Um, asking all of us to be patient. 
And he had asked Mr. Oberoi and me up in his room to please maintain the group. So, you know, it's you can you can sort of start to go gaga about what's going on. You know, we're here and he's there. But when he's giving you a direct order like that, then you just figure, well, you got to do whatever he said to do. So, um, I'm about a quarter of the way into the story, and it's already five after twelve. So I'll sort of somehow speed this up. Um, it was an amazing time. He left, and we were all heartbroken. Although I had this very strong feeling, very strong. I even wrote it in my journal that this was going to be very rapid. Uh, but you couldn't. You couldn't believe that until you heard it, really. You wanted to believe it, and I wondered whether I just wanted to believe it, that, the, that he would not be sick for long. It was, it was tough. We didn't know what was happening, um, although we got a message back before too long. I can't remember. Maybe uh, by the next day, within 24 hours, someone had gone to Gunganagar and phoned and gotten a message that, in fact, uh, Sanchi recovered, was feeling much, much better, which took a tremendous burden off all of us in terms of how awful we were feeling. Um, but we just we just carried on with the schedule. And uh, what happened was Sanchi, I have that written out somewhere else, I know where. Let me talk about what happened in the ashram. We, we carried on with the schedule and, uh, and it was amazing. I mean, we just went to the meditations, we had the lunches, we would go out to the gardens, in the evening, and uh, it happened that Mr. Oberoi spoke, and and I also spoke some. Uh, Mr. Oberoi's tales were wonderful. Uh, many tales about masters and their illness. Talked about Master Kripal Singh. He talked about Baba Sawan Singh. Well, let me start over. He talked about how when masters take on their disciples' karmas, that those karmas have to be paid, as we know. And Call can do it in any way he wants to on the Master's body, including humiliating ways. So that Sawan Singh in his elder years had a disease which you usually only get from loose social, moral living. And uh, this is hard on some disciples. It shook their faith. Master Kripal Singh, when he had prostrate... Prostate... I was confused about Um... Mr. Oberoi went to the doctor, the expert, to find out what, it, what caused that, why he would need an operation, what was the problem. And the doctor said the main cause is too much sexual indulgence. And Mr. Oberoi said he felt like slapping them at the guy. And he said, let me see your book about it. And he found another reason, which was if you, you have a job, for instance, where you sit for hours and hours and you need to urinate, but you don't go because of the circumstances, uh, that also can do it. And so he said, aha, because Kirpal Singh did that often. He wouldn't go when he needed to out of humility. Um, so he came back and explained all that to Kripal Singh, and Kripal Singh said, look, this time you've been able to find a correlation between the disease I'm suffering and the outer circumstances of my life, but there will be many times when you cannot. And there were many beautiful stories that Mr. Oberoi told, uh, and it was okay. We would go back into the courtyard at night, and we would all look up at the stairs and sing, Sanyi, 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 Jubiloso te esperamos, de ti, de ti, de ti. And it was, it, was, it was amazing. I mean, when I got back here, a lot of people said, God, it must have been awful. And it was not awful. 
I haven't been able to meditate, and Debbie could say the same, I think, because of the work that we did not have to do, because we weren't up till 11 o'clock night after night, uh, we were able to use the ashram as a retreat place. It was hard on those people who were coming for the first time. It was hard on the new initiates who had never seen Sanchi before. Their major glimpse of him was being taken out to the car. So it was a test, no doubt. Were we going to go into the underground room or not? We didn't know. We got a message. At one point, I went to Ganganagar on Friday to call Papu. It was Mr. Oberoi's idea, and it was great. I was happy to. I was going to go on a motorcycle, which I knew wouldn't happen, but that sounded very exciting. It's about a two-hour ride. But I went by Jeep, um, and it was wonderful to get more news from Papu about how things were going. And of course, we were hoping that either Sanchi could come back or we could go down early and have like a two- or three-day program. But very, very sweetly, the message came back that while the monthly satsang had been canceled, there would be many people who would not get that message and that if the ashram were to be empty, it would not be good. So Sanchi, please asked us to stay through till Monday and do the seva of attending the monthly satsang so that when those poor people come, they will at least find the ashram not empty. And it was just, it was... You know, it was the upside-down trip. There we were in, in Rajasthan, dying to be in Delhi. Never has any group been more anxious to leave that ashram, that's for sure. You know, people have talked about it as a prison, and it could feel like a prison. It was keeping you away from the physical form of your master instead of leading you to the feet. But it wasn't, not at all. He was everywhere, in my experience, and in a lot of people's experience. And yes, we could go into the underground room, and that was astounding. It was very, very moving. And in my Western intellectual way, I had some real, you know, like the cash register thing that pops up and says, does this start to look like a religion when we put his chair out there and all sit and sing to the chair or whatever? And, uh, but, you know, I think the difference is he's in the body. And the underground room was, was a knockout. So... Well, just as well. I'm not, I'm not covering a lot of what I have. Let me talk a, a little bit, before I talk about what it was like to arrive back in Delhi, let me just mention um, Sanchi's illness. What happened? They left the ashram and Sanchi again threw up. They gave him some medicine. This is the two in the afternoon ride. Uh, they gave him some medicine, which he immediately threw up. And at that point, they made a decision saying, no more, not even water. And it was, it was terribly painful. It was a very, very difficult um, ride for Sanchi. They drove nonstop all the way to Delhi, where the Satangi doctor who had cared for him and who had also cared for Papaji was waiting for them. Sanchi did not have to get out of the car, but he was immediately taken to the Ashlok Hospital, which is like a very nice private nursing home type hospital. Some tests were done, an IV with dextrose was put into his arm, and within half an hour he felt much, much better. Uh, he had been completely dehydrated, and uh, he had just been burning up, but he felt, he felt wonderful. That was Monday night. Tuesday he stayed for a while, a few hours in that intensive care, and then he was moved into a better room, and by then he was eating, keeping foods down. On Wednesday they removed the IV, and... Uh, by Thursday, he went back to the Baga house. 
And on Friday, he said to Papu, uh, I need, you know, let's go out and walk somewhere. So they went over to this new guest house. And if anybody's, if anybody has any qualms about this guest house, you should, you should listen carefully to the, to the following. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's so many floors I can't remember. It's so many rooms I can't remember. There's 22 bathrooms. That I can remember. Maybe 23. Um, it's going to be a wonderful place to be. There's, there'll be a large hall for satsang, and the top floor, serviced by an elevator, is Sanchi's quarters. Only due to the building restrictions, you have to build the elevator, fill it all up with bricks until you get everything approved, or fill up the walls, and then take down the bricks. So the elevator is not an operation. And Sanchi insisted on visiting every room and going, climbing every stair, even though Papu reminded him about his health. But he said, no, I want to see this place. When he got up to his floor, which is an entire floor, including a veranda, which overlooks a park, and there's a beautiful big, big park across the street, he said, now you can do whatever you want to do and leave me alone for 20 minutes. And in 20 minutes, we'll go out there and walk in the park. So for 20 minutes, Sanchi sat there for meditation. And Papu said it was so beautiful just to see him there. The place looked absolutely radiant, and Sanchi was very, very happy sitting there. And he came down and went for the walk in the park, and during the walk he sat on a bench, and Papu asked him how he liked the guest house, now that it's nearing completion. And Papu said the thing he said was so beautiful. He said, well, I will enjoy more in getting connected to Kirpal there. He will enjoy sitting in remembrance there more. So, Sanchi was okay, and we knew that on our way down. And I want to read My mind was sort of like the 4th of July on the kinds of things I could say here. And I, they were, it was just exploding all over because there were, there were so many lessons. I guess this lesson of, of trying to face the truth, even if it's very, very difficult, whether it's truths within ourselves, whether it's truths within others, the ultimate truth on this plane being that we all got to go. And that is not pretty. The face of death is not pretty. But we do have to face it. And when you're sitting there, when you've come to the ashram with the expectation of having 10 days of bliss on a scale that starts at about 7 and ends up uh, way up beyond 10, um, and instead he's sick, you know, he doesn't come out, you don't know, you know, what's going on, and then he, in front of your very eyes, he's basically carried into a car and sent to Delhi. Uh, yeah, what is going to happen? The next moment, who knows? We don't know. So the message, the whole message of growing up, of facing the truth, of facing those very, very, even dark sides, dark parts of ourselves that need to be faced. You know, this whole world was created out of, out of victimization. This is me. This is my mind. So bear that in mind, your mind. Um, when Sanchi first went to do the Anurag Sagar, which was two years or so before it happened, he said to me, I want to do this book. The problem with it is you in the West won't believe it. It's too unbelievable, but every single word in it is true. It happened. 
So we all know Call wanted his own place after doing the devotion. He wanted power. He wanted control. He was told to go to the brother who was called something like Karum, Karum or something. He was the tortoise. And he was told to sit quietly. And as soon as he got there, he had no patience. He ripped him open. Well, out of that, he got a creation. and He still wasn't thrown out of heaven, as far as I can tell. But he complained that he didn't have any seed to, to begin things with. So Satpurush created the woman and sent her to call, and call immediately swallowed her, which is what caused him to get thrown out of the creation. And when he came down here to wherever it was that he created all of everything, the woman came out of his body, and immediately he wanted to have sexual relations with her. And she pleaded, not only was he her older brother, now he was also her father because she'd been in his stomach. And his response was, look, I write the laws around here. He said, I make the laws, isn't it? Because she talked about the morality of it. And he shouldn't even be thinking like that because it was immoral. And he said, I'm above moral. I'm above laws. They don't apply to me because I write them. And they had relationships, and from that came everything else, all the stuff that, we, that we're dealing with. And there's a whole lot of stuff that none of us want to face. How many of us could sit on a bed like Papaji did and say, I'm content, I'm through, I don't owe anyone anything, nobody owes me anything, no deep, dark secrets, my life, here it is. But we got to face it. You know, death is its one of the things that's right there. So when we came, this is what he said to us. I thank Almighty Solomon and Kripal, who have once again made it possible for me to be present in all of your seva. As you know, I had become very weak and very sick, and it was not possible for me to serve you there. But I do not have any regrets. I do not have any complaints, because only he is a gurmukh, only he is a saint who lives in the will of God. Only the Master knows how he has to make his disciple do the seva. Guru Nanak Sab had said that one should remember and meditate upon him in the pains as well as in the happiness. One should do the meditation even in the state of happiness, and when the pain comes, one should always be doing the meditation. The doctor has done all the examination of my body, and I do not have any sickness, any problem. I only have the weakness, which will go away later on. It's true, when they examined him, his blood sugar level was okay, and his blood pressure level was okay. This is all his grace, and there is no word with which I can thank him. The only thing is that one can thank him in reality only after going within and getting it and attaching himself to his feet. Even though the treatment was very hard, very painful, but still it was less painful than the pain I was having at that time in my body. And that is why, remembering him only, I accepted this. Because in that place, Rajasthan, there was no treatment for me. Because I live in the forest-like jungle over there, and for that reason it was better for me to come here. It was because of Papu and Gourmet's efforts in bringing me here, because they know that even on the way how much painful it was. In the name of Lord Kripal, I thank all the dear ones, Kent, Mr. Oberoi, Elvia, and all the dear ones who looked after you at that time. Also, I am very grateful to all of you, the dear ones, who maintained the discipline at this time. As you all know that on a worldly level, Papu has suffered a great loss, and there is no word which can cover that loss. And forgetting all that, he brought me here. 
because you know that in this world, as long as we live, the life is very difficult to live. But Papu's father, who died, he had so much devotion and so much faith in the master that whatever work he would do, even in his worldly life, he would always keep in his mind the sangha and the master before doing anything. So when he left the body, he was protected by the master. Master himself came to take his soul. And he even said about the master's coming and the protection he was getting from the master. So the person who has so much love and devotion and faith in the master, will the master not come himself to protect his soul? We are worldly people, and sometimes we have faith and other times we lose that faith, even though we see things with our own eyes. But he is always there to help us. So once again, I thank all of you, and I thank Almighty Lord Kripal also, who gave so much support and faith to us, and who made us remain in his will. I am very grateful to Almighty Lord Kripal, who putting the support, the pillar of Nam within us, made us accept his will. I hope that tomorrow, with his grace only, I will be able to serve all of you, the dear ones, in the way I used to serve you in Rajasthan. <coughs> Papu will announce the program in which we will have the meditation. And I will see all the dear ones, and also, God willing, will have a satsang. When Papu's father went to Canada for the first time, at that time he did not know any English, and Papu's mother also did not speak any English. After reaching there, he sent me a tape letter, maybe Papu still has that, in which he said, because when he saw the master power working everywhere, within everyone, he sent me a tape letter in which he said, quote, you have always said that masters never perform any miracles. But I will say that masters don't do anything except performing the miracles. He had so much faith and devotion for the master, and before he left, he told the family members also to remain always devoted and faithful to the master. I hope that all of the family members will accept this will of the Lord and that they will maintain their faith and devotion for the master. And at that point, he asked Gourmail and Papu to sing a new bhajan, which apparently was sung last summer, but I hadn't heard it, and it was very beautiful. Um, and in fact, it became also incorporated into the Christmas message, it's sort of the final paragraph. It said, it says, Supreme Father Kripal gave only this message, and the wind still teaches us this. If you keep walking while doing the Simran, the destination comes to you by itself. The fort of deceit will be destroyed because walls of sand do not last. We have so many sins on our heads. Hail the power of Almighty Kripal who carries all the burden. No one is a stranger. Everyone belongs to you. For as the Gurbani teaches, all this world was created from one light. O Guru Kripal, the negative power trembles and death also is nervous in front of whomever has caught hold of your finger. Apologize to Kirpal, remember him, and you will have a happy life. And I'll sing just a chorus of that. The words are Kirpal Yahi Sandesha Deta. Yahi means only, Kirpal only. Sandesh, people know from Sat Sandesh, it means message. Deta is a verb to give. Hava Yahi, Hava is the wind, also teaches this. Simran, Karate, Chale Chaloto. Chala, Chalna is a verb to walk, yes, but it means to go. It means more than just while walking. It means doing the sermon while just living, while going along in life. 
and the destination will come to you. Kipa yahi sandesh deta hava yahi siklati hai simran karte chale chalo to manjal kud mil jati hai Kipa yahi sandesh deta hava yahi siklati hai Simran kardite chale chalo to manjal kud mil jati hai. So that was sung, and that was the end of the satsang. And the next day, we were to have a meditation, which we had, and then everyone was to see all of... Everyone was to have an interview, in which they were still going to be allowed to take their questions and stuff, and everyone was very excited about that. It was like a full program. Well, we had our doubts too, but we didn't know what to do but try. I mean, five minutes per person is 12 an hour, which would be five hours, and we'd set aside three hours for interviews, which still seemed like it was going to be taxing. So you can imagine what it was like when these people who were dying to get in and see him in their private interviews, when Papu told me after half an hour, Kent, this won't work, they have to come in in groups of three or four or five, and they can't bring in any questions, no photographs, and Sanchi will say a little bit to each group. So I turned around and I started telling everybody that. No, you can't take your, leave your questions in the form of a letter. We'll answer, you know, it'll get answered, don't worry. Uh, we'll take care of it, it'll be sent to you. No letters were answered in this group, needless to say. And it was so hard. It was just so heartbreaking. And people did so well with it. But this is sort of, the hope was that they would get 10 days in one day. And it was to be suddenly put into the situation. And they knew it was because of his health. And his health wasn't that good. And at the end, I realized, well, I, I better, if I'm going to have an interview, I should be ready too. And so I asked him, Papu said, yes, come in. And I went in for about five minutes. And I had two hours worth of stuff that I was going to talk to Sanchi about in terms of the school, because usually I do. And I just said, Sanchi, I think it'd probably be better for me to write this later. And he said, yes. But it was just very hard. And let me read you what happened. Maybe you heard this last week. I don't know. I don't think you could have, because it hadn't happened yet. Okay, so this is our last, you know, we'd seen him Tuesday, I mean, Monday afternoon, very briefly, and then people went off to the hotel to, to eat, and then they came back for the meditation, and then they stayed for what they thought were going to be private interviews, and they ended up being group darshans, and then they went and saw the guest house, and they came back for satsang at three o'clock. The final paragraph was, in the end, Guru Arjun says, who reaches the feet of the perfect master? Only those who have very good fate, only those who are the most fortunate ones, they reach the feet of the Master, and only those who are chosen by God Almighty, and for whom the liberation is ordained by God Almighty, only they come to the feet of the Master. Then Sanchi said, As you all know that this is the end of the program, and I wish you all the best for your return journey. I hope that you will maintain the discipline and will do your bhajan and simran even after getting back to your homes. Even though in the form of the Shabbat, the Master is present everywhere. But because I got sick 
and you people did not get to spend much time in my presence. Considering this, I have asked Ignacio to allow you to come into the groups of the next year. If any one of you want to come here, they will be given special places to come. And you can imagine the effect this had on people. And what happened was they couldn't help it. They applauded. And they, <laughs> and they whooped and they, and they laughed. And Sanchi raised his finger and told him to stop. And Elvia was, wasn't even through the translation. She had just got to the part where they could come next year. And so then she finished. If any one of you want to come here, they'll be given a special place to come. And um, there was a scattering of applause again. And, and at that point then, Sanchi, very sweetly, but he continued in a very strong way. Well, in the satsangs, you should not clap, because this is not a lecture of any political leader where you clap. I hope that all of you will sign up with Ignacio as, as you have done this time. You should not think that since I have allowed you to come, you are free to make your own arrangements. Or you should inform Ignacio just a couple of days before the trip. Don't do like that. You should sign up with Ignacio well in time and get the tickets through him and do all the arrangements through him as you usually do. Again, much sweet laughter throughout, and I heard, I think, a single clap. I hope that you will never clap your hands again like you did today in the satsang, because this is not the way it should be. It is not according to the tradition of the satsang. It is like breaking the tradition of the satsang if you clap. Up until now, I have never allowed such a thing, and I don't know how it happened today. But you should remember this and never do it again. You know that in Bogota, there are so many dear ones who come to the sangha. And also in Sanpani Ashram, many dear ones come for the satsang. But nobody has done such a thing. They don't clap in the satsang. I hope that you will remember this and will also tell this to the other dear ones, that they are not supposed to clap in the satsang because this is the path of humility. Many of the group leaders are here in this group, and I hope that they will convey this to their own groups about all this. Again, there were many sweet smiles and some requests for, for pardon, but there was also there were a lot of te amos, which means I love you, and then a final singing of Sanji, Sanji, Sanji is as Sanchi went up the stairs. In Papu's new house, there's a big open living room. And then as he goes up the stairs, and you can look up and sort of see him on a balcony. And that, that was it. But the mood of the group was joyous, to say the least, that night. People were just saying, see you next year. I mean, they couldn't believe it. It, it just lifted so much heaviness from, from their hearts to have that permission to come, if they can, next year or, or whenever they can come. Because the, the competition for places in the groups is... It's just as bad in the Spanish-speaking groups as, as it is in the, uh, in the others. So I, I didn't do um, half of what I thought I was going to do and probably did other stuff, and, I, and that's fine. I'm going to stop. Um, I did want to say, though, this is me talking again. I, you know, I said to the Colombians one night when I was asked to speak, I talked about what it was like to first arrive in Bogota to go from the bottom of the area where his house was, up the steps, many, many, many steps up to his house, without knowing that your feet even touched the ground, surrounded by people, people touching you, people holding candles, people singing, being on like an, an escalator of just love that just floated you up there. And I said to them, you know, I don't, I don't think you'll find Sanchi dressing up in, a, uh, in some native New Yorker's outfit and calling himself a New Yorker, you know, I mean, he's... There's a sweetness there, and I, and I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if, if how well other groups could have done. I, I guess everyone would have done fine because that would have been that particular group's test, and, and they would have passed it. But this group was so sweet, 
And there's so much love. And you can't help but feel, you know, we get, we start to judge that passion. We start to judge that hot blood. And we start to judge those bhajans which go like this instead of the slow way that we know we're supposed to sing them, you know. And be careful. I think we all need to be careful. Our hearts get hard, we get cold, and we get dry. And, you know, think about Sanchi wearing a ruana and looking at himself and smiling and saying, Colombian. Well, on a final note, I remember walking around the walls. And as we knew he was better, I started thinking to myself, I just flat, I wasn't thinking it just came out of nowhere. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. And I don't know whether I'm going to laugh or cry when I see him in Delhi. And I thought, I'm going to laugh. This is a big drama. This is like, should we sing Kite Gyo, Data Ji, or should we sing Kela Niade, Your Play is Unique? So when he came down the stairs in Delhi, and I saw him, I was standing there, and he saw me, he folded his hands and he smiled, and then he got, his smile got bigger and bigger and bigger, and he just went like that. It was, <laughs> right, you know, you're the giver, you're the doer, you know it all. So there is certainly time for somebody to I guess the simplest thing for me to say is Dito, <laughs> because most of what I put together was said by Kent. So let me just look through my writings. I also had, I, I started the, I wanted to start the talk chronologically, so as I'm looking through it, uh, I also was going to mention, of course, the fact that he was wearing a ruana. <laughs> Being a Colombian, it really uh, touched me. Um, I just want to convey a little bit what it was to be there and you know at the beginning he, although he was physically at the ashram we couldn't see him and we were all constantly longing and yearning to see him physically and you know we were asked to come to the hall for the meditation and in our hearts we had this question will he be there is he healed is he coming down to see us and then every time and every time, he wasn't there. He would not come. Yet, we were asked to do the program and to follow it. And then the next thing he, we knew was, you know, that he had been vomiting and he couldn't hold anything within. And he was going to be taken to Delhi. And when we heard that announcement, we were all paralyzed. We, it was a moment in which, you know, the, everything fell. We, it was like dying. And I don't want to forget that moment because it was a very real moment, you know. We think of him as the master power, but we should also think of him as the human pole. 
And as a human Paul, he suffers pain as any human. And to see that was overwhelming. You know, we were asked, we had a quick lunch in which it was obvious that something was happening and somebody was going to announce something because everybody was kind of running all over the place, Papu running, and his car had been pulled out into the courtyard near the stairs. And, you know, the minute we had our last bite of lunch, we were asked to form a darshan line in the courtyard because he was going to leave. So we were there in that line, eager to see him, you know, three days without having seen him. And the first thing we saw were his feet, but his feet didn't have any strength whatsoever. So those feet, you know, started coming down, but they couldn't just, you know, they were not able to touch the steps of the stairs. And we were all sobbing, like, you won't believe it. And he was carried out. He was literally carried, you know, somebody holding him under one arm and under the other arm. And being in that pain, in that much pain, he had, you know, those comforting words for us. Be patient. You must be patient. And then he left the ashram. And we followed his car. And we were all sobbing and hugging each other, you know, emotional Colombians or South Americans. And, but the minute those gates closed behind his car, we all came very quickly, very silently, to the meditation hall. We all understood that somehow we had to be strong and we had to follow the program. And the best thing to help him and to help our own selves was to meditate, you know, do what he has asked us to do so many times. I also would like to say that it was very sweet following the program there, you know, once he left to Delhi. But you would look at the ashram, you know, at the physical building, and then they were walls of sand, those walls of sand that he speaks of in his bhajan, you know, the perishable walls, and they felt perishable without him. And we will do this little ritual, as Kent pointed out, you know, sink to an empty staircase, Sanji, Sanji, Sanji. And we were all finished the day remembering that he was not physically there. That was a constant. We couldn't avoid but to be re reminded that he was not physically there. But yet, he was there in all of us, in all of our little strengths that we had to follow that program. also very touched by the fact that, you know, we were all thinking that we could return earlier, and yet he asked us to stay and be like hosts for the Indian Sangat. And they came, and we celebrated the monthly sat satsang, and 
It was very sweet. We were, you know, less people than usual, but in spite of it, it was very sweet. And then finally that Monday came, and I wrote here, and maybe for the first time in the history of that place, we were all very happy to leave the ashram because we were going to see him upon arrival to Delhi. And needless to tell you what that encounter was like. We were finally at his physical feet. And he looked much better. And he showered and showered tremendous grace and love and filled our so thirsty vessels. We had been without him physically doing our work to the extent that we could do it. And that was the price, him in person. And that pageant that was sang, it was like the message or the teaching of the trip, you know, death, Papu's father death, our death when he left the ashram. The death of our ego, because we had so many expectations, even, you know, to arrive earlier. Then to have those interviews and, you know, to be close to him, to see him. It was death, death. The trip was death, learning to die. And then the little happening that can't told you, I was planning also to convey that to you, the applauding little thing. And he was also dying, dying of shame perhaps. <laughs> it was too much. <laughs> I hope I'll never clap my hands in front of him. <laughs> and I just want to say this little sentence. Uh, you know, with with his sentence, this is the path of humility. That, that's how the program ended. I, not even for a second did I feel deprived of his grace during this hard trip. On the contrary, his absence, if anything, was tremendously inspiring and very real. In many ways, he showed us that the fort of deceit will one day be destroyed in this world because the walls of sand cannot stay for a long time. Only that which is true will prevail and falsehood will be weeded out. Thank you. We do have Prashad, and it will be passed out now to sing the final bhajan on page 187. Mere data ji suno O my giver, listen to my plea. After hearing, accept my plea. I make this request, listen to my prayers. Listen to my prayers. May I not forget you ever. Take me to the shore. O giver, take me to the shore. This honorless soul does not listen to the Bonnie. She does not listen to the Bonnie. She has become homeless. 
she is in your shelter. O giver, she is in your shelter. The negative power has laid the traps. He has laid the traps. The heart is terrified. Without you, who can remove the pain? O giver, without you, who can remove the pain? Becoming gracious, listen to my condition, Kirpalji. Give me the treasure of Nam and make me rich. Servant Ajayib prays. O giver, servant Ajayib prays. O my giver, listen to my plea. After hearing, accept my plea. Mere tata ji suno benati. Mere tata ji suno benati. Karo manajuda suna ke benati. Karo manajuda suna ke benati. Mere data ji suno benati. Mere data ji suno benati. Karamana juda suna ke benati. Karamana juda. Sunna-lo-pukada, <laughs> Kadina Bissana Lava Pada Kinare Tata Lava Pada Kinare
ਕਾਲਪਵਾਰਨੇ ਜਲ ਵਿਚਾਏ ਜਲ ਵਿਚਾਏ ਦਿਲ ਗਬੜਾਏ ਕਾਲਪਵਾਰਨੇ ਜਲ ਵਿਚਾਏ ਜਲ ਵਿਚਾਏ ਦਿਲ ਗਬੜਾਏ ਤੇਰੇ ਬਿਨ ਦੁਖ ਕੋਨ ਤਾਰੇ ਤਤਾ ਤੇਰੇ ਬਿਨ ਦੁਖ ਕੋਨ ਤਾਰੇ ਮੇਰੇ ਦਾਤਾ ਜੀ ਸੁਨੋ ਬੇਨਤੀ ਮੇਰੇ ਦਾਤਾ ਜੀ ਸੁਨੋ ਬੇਨਤੀ ਕਾਰੋ ਮਨ ਜੁੜਾ ਸੁਨ ਕੇ ਬੇਨਤੀ ਕਾਰੋ ਮਨ ਜੁੜਾ ਸੁਨ ਸੁਨੋ ਕਿਰਪਾਲ ਜੀ ਨਾਮ ਦੇਖ ਜਾਨੇ ਦੇਵ ਕਾਰੋ ਮਾਲੋ ਮਾਲ ਜੀ ਹੋਏ ਦਿਆਲ ਹਾਲ ਸੁਨੋ ਪਾਲ ਜੀ ਨਾਮ ਦੇਖ ਜਾਨੇ ਦੇਵ ਕਾਰੋ ਮਾਲੋ ਮਾਲ ਜੀ ਸਾਚਾਇਬ ਪੁਕਾਰੇ ਤਤਾ ਦਾਸਾਇਬ ਪੁਕਾਰੇ ਮੇਰੇ ਦਾਤਾ ਜੀ ਸੁਨੋ ਬੇਨਤੀ ਮੇਰੇ ਦਾਤਾ ਜੀ ਸੁਨੋ ਬੇਨਤੀ ਕਾਲੋ ਮਨ ਜੁੜਾ ਸੁਨ ਕੇ ਬੇਨਤੀ ਕਾਲੋ ਮਨ ਜੁੜਾ ਸੁਨ ਕੇ Oh my giver listen to my plea after hearing accept my plea amen <laughs>